Welcome to Paradox Jukebox, an unconventional podcast for the unconventional music lover, brought to you by Music on the Move Studios, a woman-led company working to help musicians move their careers forward through education and live events. I'm your host, Katie Thompson. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you're having a wonderful day, whatever day it is. Uh, So, on the show today... I have a very good friend of mine, and actually colleague. He works with us a little bit here and there as a consultant for Music on the Move Studios. His name is Gerard Longo. And Gerard is a super amazing human. He runs a company called the Underground Music Collective in Nashville. And the really cool thing about UMC is that they partner with uh, companies like Helping Our Music Evolve, the Arts and Business Council of Greater Nashville, Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce, and quite a few more. So with Gerard, UMC has published over 20,000 pieces of content across web and social platforms. They receive between two to 4,000 artist pitches per year, and that's artists who are asking UMC and asking Gerard to publish content about them. So you know, reviewing just even a single release or an album release or even you know a live performance that is something that is invaluable to an artist. So Gerard's going to get into that a little bit later, uh, but uh, just a couple more touches on some of the things that he has going on. So Nash Live is another one of his projects that he co-founded, and they are a production company. They specialize in virtual events, in-person events, and also hybrid events. And then he's also the host of The Quinspin, which is a really sweet podcast. So... This dude has so much going on. It is so hard to keep track of him. And I just, I love talking to him. He's incredibly intelligent and just is a wealth of knowledge. So if you're an artist, do yourself a favor, hit pause, grab a pen and paper or your favorite note-taking app, whatever it is, and write down everything he says. And then at the end of this episode, click the links in the show notes and go learn more about UMC and the work that they're doing there. Welcome to Paradox Jukebox, everyone. Today I have the wonderful Mr. Gerard Longo from Underground Music Collective. Gerard, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Keeping busy, getting ready for the end of the year. Uh, you know, trying to navigate that between all of the things that are going on, yeah. <laughs> which there are a lot of things. Uh, but yeah, doing well. I think um, you know we'll talk about all the projects, but I think a lot of things are really hitting their stride. Um, how are you doing? Oh man, I'm so good. You know, after after Aaron and I saw you, we we ran into you at home. Uh, that whole weekend was just a blur because we were playing for the Titans and uh, we were getting uh, the the episode shot for uh, Marathon Music Works with her husband Matt and uh, Liza. So that was that was a lot of fun. It was cool to be at home, and it was really nice to meet you in person finally. You know, and actually get to like see your face. So, uh, but yeah, things are great, and I'm really really stoked to hear about all of the projects that Underground Music Collective has their hands in right now. But I would really like to start with what is Underground Music Collective and how did it come to be? Ooh, okay. I hope you have all day because it's a long story. We got plenty Uh, (laughs) of time. We got plenty of time. All right. So Underground Music Collective is a music publication, multimedia company based here in Nashville. We didn't start here in Nashville. And that's where uh, there's a bit of a backstory because... I didn't even have a blog when I started my entry point into the music industry. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know that I was entering the music industry. (laughs) I started a podcast called the Quinn spin two ends and Quinn two ends and spin. Uh, It's still, uh, we're still churning out episodes today. That was the entry point. And the reason I started that was because I was, it was 2013 
I was working a corporate job in New York, which was pretty cool. Uh, but it wasn't my calling for, for lack of a better term, you know, and I was, I was starting, you know, kind of in the middle of that summer starting to feel like I needed an outlet. And I had done college radio. I really enjoyed doing college radio. It had been uh, about three years since I graduated at that point. And I had a free weekend of myself, which was rare at that point because commuting to New York, had a long distance relationship down in the Philly area. I'm in Northern New Jersey. So I'm kind of like splitting my time pretty much between the two metros, but I had a weekend at home to myself. I went back and listened to some of those old episodes from college, which at this point will never see the light of day, but back then it was like <laughs> my finest work. Uh, but yeah, those will never be unearthed. But I, I really started to miss it. And I started to think, well, why can't I start a podcast? You know, I kind of had the idea in the back of my mind for a while. And it was at that point that I just committed to it. August 17th, 2013 was the day that I committed to starting this podcast. And it was called The Quinn Spin in College because I made up a pseudonym because at first I did the radio show with my brother. And just in case, you know, he said something, you know, unwise on the air. I didn't want my real name being used, <laughs> <laughs> which was a distinct possibility back in the day. Um, so I... You know, we we had back in college, you know, we had all the like the ASCAP and the BMI to play whatever we wanted, major label music. Um, and I was like, well, you know, if I want to keep the format the same, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to go out and discover new music and feature independent artists. You know, and I had always had a, a passing passion for independent music, you know, and the grind of that. All my friends growing up were in bands. So I just went on Twitter and started finding bands, started finding artists and saying like, Hey, uh, can I feature you on this podcast that has zero episodes that no one's ever heard before? And a surprising number of people said yes. Uh, so <laughs> from there, my contract at the corporate job expired at the end of 2013. So after that, I really started to appreciate the grind of the independent creative because at that point I was one. I'm cobbling together odd jobs. I'm delivering pizzas. I'm mowing lawns and I'm focusing on this show, right? Eventually, you fast forward a bit through 2014, Beginning of 2015, I actually landed back out in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is where I went to college at Moravian University now. It was Moravian College when I was there. And I, you know, I, I was there, you know, kind of still trying to do the show, adjust to my new life, you know, took a break from the show for a little bit. I had co-hosts join me, uh, you know, for the first couple years of our run. And we all, you know, for a while went our separate ways. And I was just kind of left with like, okay, do I want to continue doing the show? You know, do I want to continue building this platform? And what is, what does that look like? And what I came to was the podcast is great, but it's a piece of content. I, I need to build other things around that. Right. And so out in Bethlehem, there's a small local music scene and I'm like, okay, maybe a local music blog in addition to this thing would be cool. So you know, toward the end of 2015, I got the idea to launch Lehigh Valley Underground, which was the regional, uh, you know, version of Underground Music Collective that we all know today. And reviews, features, I taught myself photography at the time, went out you know, shooting shows, you know, eventually through that run, uh, LVU launched the beginning of 2016. Through 2016, 2017, 2018, you know, we started putting on events, really getting ingrained in that community. I'm still tinkering with the podcast, you know, kind of figuring out the format and kind of what that what that needs to be, you know, for, you know, just going into the future. 
And I started to have a lot of questions about the future around mid-2018. And I started to think, okay, like building this local thing has been great, you know, but I feel like I've done all I can do in a market like this. You know, I started to really feel this pull to go to an industry town. I, I tried going back to New York. Uh, you know, I was applying to jobs, just trying to get a foot in the door. Uh, wasn't hearing anything back. And then I had a couple of friends who still live here in Nashville. Uh, they had just gotten married a few months before I was in their wedding. And they're like, hey, uh, we're buying a house and we need a roommate. So if you're thinking of relocating, why not come to Nashville? And the day I started applying to jobs, I started hearing back. So I just kind of followed that trail within, it was Labor Day 2018. And by the Monday after Thanksgiving, I was here. Uh, I had moved whatever would fit in my car and less than a thousand bucks in my pocket. And I'm just like, I'm just going to go take a shot at this thing. I was working security at the Grand Ole Opry and I, you know, I was driving Lyft, you know, just whatever I could do to, to, to make it work and keep the lights on and keep moving forward. And in preparation for the move, I rebranded Lehigh Valley Underground to Underground Music Collective, taking a broader, more industry-facing approach, uh, not generalizing to one region. Um, people had suggested, oh, well, are you going to call it Nashville Underground? And I didn't want to limit it to a single geographical area. And good thing, because Nashville Underground is a place over on Broadway. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, there were a couple of reasons to not do that. But uh, yeah, the end of 2018, it'll be three years at the end of the month that, that I'm here and, you know, just continuing to grow, continuing to find new ideas, um, you know, gain new members of the team and just grow the platform and grind it out. You know, and that's the thing I always tell people is, you know, I've been doing this for eight plus years and there's no such thing as overnight success. You just have to keep building. You just have right. to keep, you know, like there's no like magic bullet. There's no one singular event where it's like, okay, I made it. I'm good. Like there's no finish line, you know? So the past three years here in Nashville, learning the industry in a whole new light that I would have never learned probably anywhere else in the world, you know, has really helped me learn that and embrace that, you know, that grind, that process. That's awesome. Wow. What a cool story. I mean, that is, that, that is an amazing story of just like, you know, going on a journey and following, you know, a path. And I think that, wow, man, I mean, I'm so glad that Aaron, like, you know, introduced me to you. This is, this is amazing. So, okay. So, so now you're here in Nashville, you've been here for about three years. So talk about some of the services that underground music collective has. Well, at our core, you know, we're a music publication, right? So the reviews, the features, uh, you know, the artist features are still there. I will say as other facets of the business have grown, I've been able to focus a little less on generating content, uh, Mm -hmm. especially over the course of 2021, starting to pick that back up. Uh, There was definitely a point over this summer where I had to refocus, you know, I had to refocus, you know, on client work. I had to focus on a lot of the events that we're generating from what's now the Nash Live arm of this whole ecosystem. Um, but reviews, features, of course, we're still putting out the podcast at least twice a month. Um, uh, the UMC 20 playlist, we restarted back up for the fall. So we update uh, that playlist every single week on Spotify with 20 new songs uh, from independent artists here. And anywhere once in a while, you know, we'll sneak, you know, a major label artist or a national touring artist in there, you know, sometimes we get those submissions too. Uh, but really, we're here to serve the independent artists. And we do it in a number of ways through multimedia content, uh, live events, 
Um, and of course, content services, you know, if somebody needs a photographer, I do that. You know, if somebody wants us on the Nash live end to produce a live stream, uh, that was actually how we started the events, uh, arm of the, of the ecosystem was live streaming during the pandemic. Um, so there's so there, there's so much that we do. It's it's grown into so much just from being, you know, a simple blog to really becoming a multimedia company. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to see where that goes. You know, I, I, I feel like the possibilities are pretty limitless, you know, as long as we just kind of keep our heads on a swivel and keep looking for those opportunities to grow and keep identifying people who can help us with that. You know, I, I feel like there's so much, you know, still out there for us, you know, which is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So with the reviews and, you know, the artists that actually submit their content to you, can you discuss your perfect your pitch course? And I know we, we brought you on and you did a webinar for us, but I'd like to dive a little bit deeper. And, and if you could also talk about why it is so important to master perfecting your pitch. Ooh, yes. So yeah, this uh, perfect your pitch. Uh, it's, it's the first course I've ever developed. And it came to be after receiving thousands upon thousands of submissions over the years, because what I found is a lot of artists, and even publicists don't necessarily know where to begin as far as pitching to specific outlets, what to include. It actually came to be my friend, uh, Jess, uh, she goes by Jay Antoinette. Uh, that's her artist name. She had me on for an Instagram live Q and a, you know, she was like, Hey, what kind of topics would you want to talk about? I'm like, you know, pitching music, because a lot of the pitches I get, they're okay, but they're incomplete, you know? And yeah. I, I think I could speak to what you need to include, how you need to approach it, that kind of thing. And that really got my wheels turning, you know? And I'm like, I can make a whole course out of this. So yeah. last summer I started developing this course. I beta tested it and we go through not only what you need to include, but why it's important and why you need to get to the core of who you are as an artist, as a storyteller, as a human being, because you see, that's, that's the core of it. You know, anybody can be talented. Anybody can write songs. Anybody can get on stage and perform, but who you are is what connects you with your audience, your values, your beliefs, how that carries forth in your music and in your brand, you know, and mm -hmm. I encourage people to lean into personal branding. And I feel like a lot of musicians are hesitant to do that because, oh, brand's a dirty word. I don't want to sell out. Your brand, if you're doing it right, is just an extension of your authentic self. Correct. It's just that amplified. You know, I, I understand where people kind of see that, like, you know, see branding as a dirty word when they see the super manufactured stuff out there. But I feel like in this day and age, there are so many examples that run counter to that, that are just people being people who happen right. to have these talents and the talents, you know, the, the platform is their vehicle to bring their message to the world. And you think about the artists who endure, they're the artists that do that successfully. You know, you think about the folks like Lady Gaga, you think about the Taylor Swifts of the world. I, an example I love to use is Bon Jovi who have just adapted to the times, yeah. you know, have never pigeonholed into a particular sound. And have they been a critical darling for that? You know, no, not necessarily, but what they've done is they've re remained this authentic presence, you know, putting forth this message and adapting and evolving with that. Right. So it, it comes down to who you are, 
how you communicate that to the world and how you use your platform to communicate the messages you want to put out there. So that's a big part of the course. Of course, we go through, you know, all the nuts and bolts of your EPK, that kind of thing, you know, you know, your audio, your visuals, how to get that out there, how to get that into the right hands and appeal to different opportunities, whether that's publications, whether that's publicist and management opportunities, festivals, uh, you name it. And there's a there's a favorite section of mine in there called what not to do, which has some pretty funny anecdotes. about. <laughs> Thank uh, you for that. <laughs> yeah, because there are some things I've seen uh, over the years. And it's, <laughs> it's like some of them have been pretty mind boggling. I don't name names, you know, but like sure. there are definitely some some things that I'm like, okay, this is too good. This has got to go in the course. Right. <laughs> yeah. As an example it's of, too good not to make an example of it. Yep. Uh, yeah. And for, for our listeners, I want to clarify real quick, because uh, some of our listeners are kind of young in the industry and EPK stands for an electronic press kit. So, yes. and Gerard, if you could give just like a very brief description of things that you should see in an electronic press kit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, your bio. Uh, the, the story that you want to tell about yourself and then all of your multimedia assets. Of course, you want to have photos and visuals that represent you, that represent your brand, that are high quality, you know, and of course, you know, there are tons of creatives around here, you know, that probably in your networks that you can team up with and create some really cool content. You want to have your music in there, even if your music's not released, right? Mm -hmm. If you're submitting to publications and you submit an EPK, and there's nothing for them to listen to, how are they going to gauge whether or not they're going to cover your music? They'll move on to the next one. Right. So what I usually suggest to people, if your music's not released yet, set up a private link, like a SoundCloud. It can even be a Dropbox link, something like that, where you know the final versions of your songs are there. You have the release date. You have the release information. Of course, you put in your email, hey, don't share this out until it's released. But that way, it's for them to preview. It's for them to screen and figure out how they might want to work with you to feature your music. Uh, any press that you've received, any you know, whether that's a podcast interview like this one, whether that's uh, a review or an article write up, um, any, anything that pretty much edit this. <laughs> I, I, I lost my, I lost my train of thought. Pretty much anything that has, what did I want to say here? Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, You're good. Don't worry part. about it. Um, pretty much anything, any media coverage you've received, any press, anything, any noteworthy achievements that you've received, of course, that stuff should go in your bio, but also your bio, again, should tell your story, uh, as far as who you are and what you stand for and the values that you put out and how those are put out through your music. So your EPK is a one-stop shop, uh, long story short for all of the things that, you would want the media that you would want anybody who's any decision maker, any tastemaker to have access to so they can make a decision on how or if they want to work with you. Right. Yeah, it's so important there. I, and still, I mean, I've been in the business for 20 plus years and there's so many artists that have no idea what an EPK is. And, yeah. you know, so it's this let's go back for a second. So we were talking just about branding and how branding is kind of a dirty word, right? Mm hmm. It's not if you're running yourself like a business exactly. and so many artists fail to understand that you're not just a songwriter. You're not just a musician. You are a business. And part of being a business is having good branding and having all of your media assets 
lined up and ready to go the second that you need to submit yourself to a talent buyer or Mm -hmm. even to, you know, to a publication. If you don't have these tools ready to go, you're not really going to be taken seriously. Exactly. And they're going to move on to somebody who does, because you think about it, there are so many talented people in the world. You know, the perfect your pitch starts with two harsh yet simple truths. It's that number one, being a good musician is not enough. And number two, you have to make people care. So you have to stand out. You know, I, how many times do you see, you know, an artist bio over the years where it's, uh, oh, I'm a singer songwriter from anywhere USA. It's like, okay, that doesn't tell me anything. That tells me you're a singer songwriter in the, in the throng of all the other singer songwriters, what's making you stand out and what's making you stand out is not only your branding and your story, but your level of professionalism and preparedness. When somebody has all their ducks in a row, when they have their, you know, what together that speaks volumes to me, that always, that always stands out to me for the right reasons. And I know plenty of other people in the industry who feel the same way, where it's like, you got to just put forth your best effort, make it as good as it can be. And that's going to set you apart from everyone else kind of, you know, riding that merry-go-round is how do you separate yourself from the pack? You know, how do you stand out and how, how are you building your business in a way that's unique and different? Yeah. And it's not necessarily that you need to be comparing yourself to somebody else. It's what are your strengths and talents and why should I pay attention to them? Right, right. That's a very good point to make. You know, comparison is the thief of joy, as they say. And yes. I think all too often, especially in this age of social media, we're looking at what everyone else is doing. We're like, uh, you know, it's easy to go like, why am I not there? Why are they getting that opportunity? And I'm not, you know, I think we're all subject to that. We've all, <laughs> nobody's immune, you know, we've Correct. all experienced that. But it's how can I make this the best that I can be? How can I stand out? How can I push my message and my brand forward, you know? And when you do that, when you really focus and dial in on that, honestly, you don't have a lot of time to focus on what everyone else is doing, you know, because you're, you're in tune with what you're doing and the progress, the actions you're taking every day, you know, and from there, it's all about progress. It's all about, okay, what can I do today? My mantra, especially, you know, over the past year has been make today go well, because I, I found myself, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, either looking to the past or, you know, worrying about the future when really the action's here and now, (laughs) you know, you have to find ways in business, in life to just, okay, this is what I'm in control of in this situation right here. And now control your controllables, go forward and take the action that you need to take today to get to the next one and then make the next day go well, but be present, be present and focus on what you need to do here and now, because it's, it's all little incremental steps. You know, there are no giant leaps. There's no such thing as overnight success. It's all, it's all in the little actions that you take and those add up over time. So, you know, and, and it's important to, I think, assess how you're using your time. You know, are you using your time? You know, a lot of us, of course, have different hustles, you know, some have full-time day jobs and are trying to build it at night. How are you using your free time? Are you using your free time, to put in a few hours a night on your craft, or are you binging Netflix? Are you, (laughs) you know, like it adds up and it's not to criticize anyone's habits, but you know, the fact of the matter is you do get what you put in no matter what you're trying to do. So it's important to take a look at what you're putting into it and the results that you're getting. 
Correct. Well, and then, you know, with something like Perfect Your Pitch, you can take this course and then you can find out the correct things to put into your craft and, you know, the correct things to to start building for yourself rather than potentially being on Gerard's list of this is what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you, you have to you have to have a pretty big uh, not to do moment to end up on that list <laughs> to, end up in the, to end up in the course. Uh, one funny story that uh, that I'll share. And again, without naming names is this is when I was still in Pennsylvania. Somebody had submitted their music and, you know, I'm reading the email and like about halfway through, it's like, okay, so far so good, you know, like, all right, I'll check this out. And then at the end of the email, they just dropped a bomb on themselves and they're like, oh, I think it sounds okay. Sorry if it sucks. And I'm like, if you're telling me it sucks, I have 10 other emails that I could read right now where they didn't tell me their music sucks. So I'm going to go listen to those. Like, right. You know, you have to be your own best advocate. You have to oh. believe in your work before anyone else is going to believe in your work. So don't drop those bombs on yourself. Yeah. Present with confidence, you know? Wow. Okay. Damn. I, I'm sorry. Like, how, how can you how can you try to pitch yourself and be confident if all you're going to do is literally cut your nose off to spite your face? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. When, when you're, okay, in the performance world, you're up on stage and let's say you've you frack a note real bad. The mm -hmm. worst thing you can do is let everybody know that you made a mistake, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you're just, you're supposed to play through that mistake with confidence and act like you meant to do it because, you know, nine out of 10 people, they're not even going to know. You might have that one person in your audience that goes, eh, that wasn't right. But if you move on and you let it go, it's fine. It's the same thing. Why, why would you go and pitch your music and immediately instill some kind of doubt in the person that you're pitching to. Exactly. Exactly. Oof. You know, and I, like, I mean, that's not the only time I've seen something like that where people harp on their own mistakes or their own shortcomings. And meanwhile, you have a lot of artists who have their brand together, you know, and yeah. no, look, nobody's perfect. Like nobody's ever, like, I'm never expecting anybody to be perfect all the time in everything that they do. Sure, and I sure. think most reasonable people would be, you know, along those same lines, but I've seen that where people harp on their mistakes or like, you know, they'll play a show with us and maybe the show didn't go as well as they want. And they keep reminding us the next time they submit, Hey, we really sucked last time. And we want to make it up to you. Don't <laughs> do that. Move on. Like, instead of telling me, instead of reminding me how much you think you sucked the last time why don't you show me how it's gotten better since right then? because that's the thing that's going to make me go hmm okay i'll give yeah. you another chance but if you're like hey we really sucked and we want to make it up to you it's like um i'm not confident that you're not going to suck again right <laughs> <laughs> if you're not confident in that i am not confident <laughs> correct <laughs> wow oh that there's not really an i don't have enough words i don't <laughs> okay so uh let's let's talk a little bit about uh quinspin and you know what uh what goes on in your podcast i'm interested as a podcaster i want to know yeah you know it's it's taken on so many different forms over the years um when when i started in 2013 i again i had no idea what i was getting myself into at all. I'm going to write a book one day and it's going to be called completely by accident, Colin, how I stumbled into the music industry because that's what it was. And like, it was literally me for the first episode. And then I recruited my friend, Adam Arnold, who goes by Scotty rock on the show when he's on still to this day. And it was literally, we were doing community theater at the local community college in New Jersey. And it was literally us and whoever we could recruit in 
in a rehearsal room in this community college, just like talking about a variety of topics. And then I'd kind of stitch in like the music features and that kind of thing. And so eventually we grew to have interviews. Like we, over that, the course of that run of the first couple of years, we had guests on from five different continents. You know, we had submissions coming in from Reverb Nation. We went into New York a couple of times to interview folks. Like we threw an American Cancer Society fundraiser, which uh, like about nine months in, which was way too early and nobody came to, but it ran really well and the music <laughs> was great. Uh, and it was, it was a really, it was a really fun event. And I think taught us a lot about events and getting sponsors and that kind of thing. Lessons that I still carry with me to this day. That run lasted about two years, you know, life kind of started to take everyone in different directions. And I went, okay, like, if this is going to happen, I think I'm just going to kind of take it in my own direction for a little while. And that's where, you know, I moved to Pennsylvania, show goes on hiatus, you know, and the format by and large stayed the same. I did it live for a while, did internet radio for a while in Pennsylvania. Uh, but eventually, I just kind of came to I guess abandon the radio format to a degree and just have it be straight up conversations, you know? So right now that's, that's where we've come to since we're, since we're in Nashville is usually, you know, if it's just me interviewing a guest, it's one-on-one -on -one or one on however many people join the guest. Uh, I had a one-on-three a few weeks ago with a few artists in town and it's just talking to them about not only their art, but their story and their journey and what led them here and the lessons that they've learned. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've, I really, I've really come to enjoy this format because like it's conversations, it's kind of, it's kind of a social event for me too. You know, it's like, it's it, not only does it help us produce podcast episodes, but it helps to get to know people. It helps to really learn their stories and appreciate that and connect to things within my own story, you know, and find a lot of common ground with folks, you know, yeah. from all walks of life. Uh, you know, so that tends to be, that tends to be the most of our episodes now is that kind of format where it's just like you and I talking, you know, there's no musical breaks that like, you know, it's just one-on-one -on -one conversation. Uh, but we've also started to mix a little more variety in terms of format in um, me and the old uh, Quinspin family from back in the day, we'll get on zoom just like this. And we'll, we'll, we'll chat. We'll shoot the breeze about a variety of topics, not just music. Uh, Adam Scotty, he does uh, his stupid news with Scotty Rock every single time. Uh, <laughs> you know, I to to keep some kind of music focus. You know, during those episodes, I'll do a something for your ears, where it's like, hey, here's something you need to listen to, whether it's you know a, a new band, a new album, a podcast. Sometimes, you know, we have you know other folks who kind of come in and out and you know, do their own segments. Uh, my friend JD does a feeling good with JD kind of good news thing to uh, uplift the people at the end of the episode. And then, you know, I also once in a while just get on and just shoot the breeze for 10, 15 minutes, whatever is on my mind that day. I, I'm starting to do that more and more um, because I've got a lot to say about my journey and about business and about life and how that all fits together to, you know, make this composite experience that we're all as, as creative people on, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, for the longest time, it was such a popular idea in society to make sure you separate work from the rest of your life. And we not we all know, you know, in, in this industry, especially that it's next to impossible to do that. So you might as well embrace it all as part of this greater sum, right? Yeah. So that's, I mean, the Quinn spins really taken on so many lives of its own over the years. And now it's taken on multiple just in this run here. You know, it's really, I think, found its, 
I think after all this time, it's really found its stride of like, this is what the show is. And the answer is it can be anything. It can be everything. You know, we're of course talking to a bunch of creative people, you know, but we're also letting pieces of ourselves into it as well. And I think that's where, again, you know, going back to that conversation on personal branding, like it needs to be authentic. It needs to be real. You know, I think in the beginning, like way in the beginning of the show, I was so focused on being like, super professional on the show all the time I wouldn't curse there was no alcohol out on set (laughs) you know like I was super like I was I was like cracking the whip to a degree back in the day and like I think I was hardest on myself like just completely straight laced like there was one time in the first run which was 87 episodes where I cursed and I bleeped it out like (laughs) now it's like no you need to be a real person and I'm from New Jersey we curse up there. Right. So I don't really censor myself. Most of the time I do a pretty good job, but it's like, you know what? You just need to be authentic. You need to be real. And wherever that takes you is where that takes you. And over right. the years, that's what the show has taught me. Like you can't manufacture authenticity. It just comes from you and it comes from conversation. It comes from understanding yourself and seeking to understand other people. I hope everybody just really grabs what you said. You cannot manufacture authenticity. Mm. And it's so interesting. The last couple of interviews that I've done in the, in the past week or so, we've, a lot of the artists have been talking about authenticity and Mm. it's so important. So please, if you're listening to this episode, I want you to hold on to that. I'm going to cut that up and I'm going to make it a quote. It's going to be part of our content. Like you cannot manufacture authenticity, just be a real human. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think like, I think that's becoming more and more in vogue too, in our industry. You know, I, you still have people out there who be like, well, you don't want to overshare. You don't want to, oh, you don't want to turn people off by, you know, you know, being vulnerable or that kind of thing. And I think that's complete BS, honestly, I agree. like by being vulnerable, by sharing yourself, by sharing the moments where it's not so good, like you're going to endear yourself to your audience. You're going to find way more people who resonate with that. You know, I, I have such a, I'm a recovering workaholic, I, I say, <laughs> because <laughs> For so long, like, especially the the first half of this year, I feel like I was trying to be like this hustle bro who, you know, had no flaws and just crushed it, crushed it, crushed it all day, every day. And honestly, like the middle of this year, I hit a serious rut because I was trying to keep that up. And honestly, I feel like what I come to, what I've come to learn is that that that's manufactured, you know, this idea of, oh, well, I'm just going to tell myself this is all easy and it's all easy. Like, no, it's not. It's a grind. It's a struggle. It's going to suck sometimes. Yeah. But you know what? Like, that's all part of the process. That's, that's the beautiful part of it is like you go through that pain and you learn the lesson. Like it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be pretty. Lord knows my journey hasn't been. And I'm not going to fake that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, I know like there are, you know, people in the entrepreneur space who like would hear me say that and be like, oh, well, oh, I am. Well, because, because it, 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 I think it challenges their beliefs as, oh, well, this should be easy. And I think what that is, is you just kind of put this wall up because you're afraid of letting the discomfort in, you know, yeah. that's what it was for me yeah. where I was just like, you know, like you're so focused on just trying to be positive, 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 that you're not focusing on the things that you need to work on, on the things that you need to work on yourself for the things you need to work on in the business. And no matter what, if you don't do that work, 
it's going to catch up with you. You know, right. if you don't address the more difficult things, it's going to catch up with you. And it starts as a whisper, but then it becomes an explosion. Yeah. You know, if, if you let it go too long, you know, so it's just easier to be yourself and to understand that you are all parts of this experience, you know, like it, as opposed to tr trying to tune out or drown out the, the quote unquote negative, use it as feedback, use it as a chance to get in touch with yourself and to be a better version of yourself to grow through the challenge, you know, Absolutely. because we're all going to face these challenges. We embark, we sign up for it. You know, when we embark on a creative path, you know, when we kind of, when we, eschew the the nine to five lifestyle and embark on this like journey you know you're available at all hours of the day it's it's inherently more challenging because you're building something literally from nothing i've yep. to this point built this entire platform which is still very much in its growing stages from one night in my bedroom at my parents house thinking i'm going to start this podcast you know and you know from there the the twists and turns the the sacrifices the the, the things that have happened in my personal life that were not so good, <laughs> you know, right. like somewhat as a direct result of me choosing this path. Yeah. Admittedly, like it's all part of the experiences, but so are the beautiful moments. So are the triumphs, the, the milestones you hit. We just had through Nash live. We just had an amazing night at mercy lounge a couple of weeks ago, you know, yeah. where uh, we, it was uh, the dark masquerade. It was a Halloween pop show costume contest. We had drag performers uh, as our, uh, as, as the folks officiating the costume contest. It was just such a, such a great night. So entertaining. It was the biggest crowd we've ever had for any of our shows dating back to that first American cancer society benefit at the lake in New Jersey till now. And, you know, I was just standing there thinking like, you know, there have been moments where I've really wanted to quit and just stop and go be normal. Yeah. And that, that night was one of those moments where I'm like, I'm glad I didn't do that. I'm glad I stuck this out because without, you know, if I, if I didn't, I wouldn't have this right in front of me where we have 200 plus people in mercy lounge and everybody's just into it. Like the, it was electric, you know, there are moments like that, but there are also moments that you have to push through, you know, and sure. it's, it's all a part of this experience. And it's truly beautiful when you take all of that and really appreciate it for what it is. And, you're able to look back at where you started and how you've grown since then, you know? So, but it, it comes from just being real about all of it and just understanding like, yeah, it's not all going to be nights at mercy lounge. It's going to be some nights where you're up to one in the morning trying to troubleshoot technology and you just want to go to bed and you got to be up in five hours, you know, right. late nights, early mornings, things that don't always go the way you want, you know, but you need to go through those things to get to more of those fulfilling experiences too. Absolutely. So, okay. So talk a little bit about that night at Mercy Lounge and also, uh, you know, Live Nation there, because uh, I know that this is like, um, or I'm sorry, uh, Nash Live. I said that wrong. So talk about Nash Live and what that is. And then, you know, also just kind of tell us about the awesomeness of Mercy Lounge, because I, I was so upset that I wasn't able to go to that. I really wanted to. <laughs> It was such a great show. Yeah. Nash Live, uh, first, we started that uh, under a different name as a live stream thing uh, over the course of the pandemic uh, out of helping our music evolve. And, you know, out of, nece out of necessity, you know, we were really, I think we were trying to figure out what that was. You know, we were trying to find its place in the ecosystem for pretty much the entire time that we were focused primarily on live streaming. Um well, we had a chance to work with a lot of really cool artists. You know, we even had a chance through that whole system there 
down at home to work with some major label folks and really add some new interesting production things to the pot, you know, moving cameras and moving lights and fog and all this, like our production value increased steadily throughout the time we were doing live streams. And we'll still, we'll still do a live stream. We just had one last month uh, with an artist that we know here in town. Uh, it was her EP release and Halloween show. Uh, her name's Audrey Jane, by the way, and her Madhouse EP is really cool. It was Halloween themed, you know, so it was the middle of October. Sweet. And that, 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 that's a person who I want to give a shout out. Cause she like, you know, you want to talk about somebody who's like leaned into progress and growth. Like, you know, we've done a few live streams with her and events and like every single time, like she's added more to the pot, you know, like this show had like dancers and fog and lighting and this, that, and the other, it was really, really cool. But so we'll still do that kind of thing. Uh, but around, uh, you know, I, that was just kind of a tangent on my end, but, um, around mid April, Casey Pratt, who's my Nash live co-founder, you know, he works, you know, he's a sound engineer down on Broadway too. And, you know, so he had kind of like boots on the ground, like, you know, an understanding of when the city was going to open up and he goes, Hey, we should really start reaching out to venues because this place is going to open like soon. Like they're going to be announcing it. I'm like, okay. And lo and behold, a few weeks later they did. And we had started reaching out to venues, um, even before the city announced they were reopening at full capacity in the middle of May. Uh, so we started reaching out to East Room, Five Spot, uh, a couple others around town, and starting to take our show on the road, quote unquote, you know, starting to put on live shows, you know, without the live stream component, but getting back out into the world, you know, I think, you know, by the spring, everybody was really itching to do that. Right. And so we had our first handful of shows at East Room, uh, we had one at five spot. We started working with Cobra a lot more as well here uh, in the fall. And all the while, this idea was coming together for this Halloween show. Uh, and I have to give a lot of credit. Another shout out to my friend Taylor Stone, who's an artist manager in town and just such an incredible human and hard worker. Uh, and, you know, she and I had batted around the idea of putting on some kind of dark pop Halloween show. Uh, and we, we were talking about venues and we landed on Mercy Lounge. Tyler Martinez, who's also the uh, head of Housequake Productions, uh, is the booker over at Mercy. And he was all about the idea. Uh, it was LGBTQ friendly as well, uh, you know, in support of the LGBT community. Um, we had uh, Vidalia Ann Gentry and Lexi Von Simmons, a couple of drag performers on to uh, MC for us to officiate the costume contest. So and cool. The lineup was killer. It was Austin Blue, Talia Stewart, Notel, and Gail. Gail just signed to Atlantic. She's on tour right now, actually. All right. That was her, uh, that was her uh, send-off show before going on her first tour as a major label artist. Sweet. Um, and what a talent, what a talented artist. She's 17 that voice was like ringing through the night. She is incredible. And she's like, the sky's the limit, I think for everybody on the bill, but she, she blew us away, uh, you know, for, for sure, because of her youth and her talent and just her, her ability to just like, you know, capture a room, you know? Yeah. And it was just one of those things where like, you know, through the different phases of what Nash live has been from starting off, you know, doing, live stream productions is a proof of concept at home to this amazing night at, at mercy lounge. It was one of those, like, look at what we've done. Like, and it's only in a year time, you know, right. from our first live stream uh, was the beginning of last October, you know, of 2020 in the, during the pandemic. And from then to the end of October, we have this amazing event at mercy lounge that we hope is going to be a good proof of concept to do larger and larger things like that, you know, larger, <laughs> not just shows, but experiences, right? Where you have these different components, like 
I'll tell you right now, we definitely want to do another Dark Masquerade in 2022 and 23 yeah. and however long we can, because it was such a great experience. But we also want to use that same model and go out and get more sponsors, get out, uh, go out and get more of the community involved and make these shows bigger and bigger. Because what that does is not only does it grow our platform, but it makes the opportunities bigger for the artists on the bill. You know, right. if we can get an artist like Gail, who's a major label artist on the bill, you know, that's going to bring in a crowd and that's going to gain more exposure uh, as much as I hate to even use the word exposure to the other artists on the bill. And sure. I also want to say in that same line that everybody does get paid on our shows as well. Uh, you know, for the smaller ones, you know, it's after production, we'll split the door, you know, sure. Uh, we get some, the artists get some, everybody walks away with a little bit of money uh, for, you know, larger shows like that, you know, there might be different structures and tiers depending on who we have on the bill and what their guarantee is and, and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really exciting to see where all of it has come in such a short period of time. I mean, you're talking a year from, again, from live stream inception to now, and we're really gearing up for a big 2022. We've got some big ideas that we're working on, uh, you know, and just in touch with some folks around the community to help get them involved and see where we can really take this thing because we think that we've really got something and we're going to, we're only going to grow from here. That's beautiful. Congratulations. Seriously. Thanks. Thanks. That's, it's been a lot uh, of fun. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like it sounds like a lot of fun and a lot of work, but you know, I it sounds like you guys are really on target for making some cool things happen in 2022. So, just congratulations uh, again and thank you so much Gerard for coming on to the show and and talking to our listeners. I really appreciate all of your insight. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I love doing stuff like this. I don't, I don't get to do it enough. <laughs> I, I'm usually, I'm usually in your position. And I'm like, I want to, I, I did a couple of podcasts last year. I'm like, I've, I've been thinking all year, like, I got to get back on some podcasts. I got to do this. You know, yeah. like I, I love being on this side of the mic and just, you know, sharing the experience and the journey so far. So I appreciate the opportunity and we have to have you on the Quinn spin. Please. That would be great. I would love it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, well, I definitely want to have you back in 2022 so we can talk about all of the new stuff that unfolds. So we'll, we will definitely have you back. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Anytime, Katie. Thanks so much. So first and foremost, I would be remiss if I did not wish Gerard a very happy birthday. This actually, we recorded this like technically at the end of last year and now we're just getting around to releasing it. So Happy birthday, my friend, my colleague, my peer. It has been a pleasure, and thanks so much again for sharing your wealth of knowledge. I know everybody here appreciated it. So y'all make sure you go check out Underground Music Collective, Nash Live, and The Quinspin. Links are going to be in the show notes. And make sure that you go leave Gerard a little bit of love on his Facebook or on his Instagram. I'm sure he'll appreciate it. Until next time, everybody, have a great, great day, night, whatever it is. Happy birthday, Gerard!